Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Soundtrack Show will begin in five, four, three. And now, part two of our interview with songwriters Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. This is The Soundtrack Show. to the soundtrack show i'm your host david w collins and this episode features the second half of my interview with broadway tv and movie songwriters and composers robert and kristen anderson lopez in this episode we discuss their influences for their oscar-winning song remember me from the disney pixar movie coco we chat about their musical influences growing up what it's like for them to collaborate with some of the greatest musicians in the world and where they see their already stellar careers going next. Here is part two of our interview. Remember me, though I have to say goodbye, remember me. Don't let it make you cry, for even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. I sing a secret song to you each night we are apart. Remember me, though I have to travel far, remember me. Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you The only way that I can be Until you're in my arms again Remember me I loved Coco Just totally switching it up Because you mentioned you were writing them at the same time um, How do you balance multiple projects like that? I mean, are you able to just kind of switch gears to go, okay, well, now I'm working on Coco and now I'm working on Frozen. Do, do, they, do they ever kind of leak over or inspire each other? I think, um, you know, that's, that's one area that we, I think, could, could learn to get better at. We have a hard time juggling multiple projects at once um, because I think what, what you want to do is put your heart and soul into one thing. Uh, and, and as we work together as a couple, there's only so many hours in the day, and it's nice to 
you know, as we said, throw, throw yourself into one thing and get it right. Um, whereas uh, when you have three movies and, you know, you have to constantly kind of, you're not, you're never um, living, breathing and eating and sleeping one thing. I'll agree with that. Um, I, I, the litmus test I give myself is when I go into the shower, that's some of the best times I have to be creative and think about, think big picture or think about a lyric and what a lyric should be. And um, that shower time is super valuable for my best thinking. Um, and if that, if my shower time is- Well, there's a lot of it. <laughs> I do stay a little, I still, and I'm not in California, so I know California, you can't take long showers out there right, very much right, anymore. Right. But in, on the East Coast, it's not a big problem. And um, the, the if I find that I'm not, I'm working on too many things, then I don't go into that shower thinking um, and we really do need to go into the shower thinking to write the best songs. <laughs> well, I thought I thought Remember Me was was so unique and wonderful. And one of the things that struck me about it was how many different styles it worked in. You know, it worked as the the kind of uh, slow ballad, the very touching number towards the end. But then it had this big flash at the top. Do you go in writing a melody thinking, okay, well, this needs to survive a lot of different arrangements, or do you just go, I'm going to write a great song that works with this movie? Can I brag on my husband yes. for two seconds? Because mm-hmm. I I do think that Bobby is one of the best melodists of, of our generation. I do really think like his, his understanding of I melody, agree. there are wonderful, wonderful people out there working, but Bobby is at oh, the thanks, top. Uh, and he, I think that why this song works in so many different genres is that it's a strong melody. It just keeps building. It keeps, uh, it keeps going. And, and he's always very aware of not using the top note until, until you deserve it. I watch how he thinks and he makes choices that make sure that it, the mountainscape is built correctly so that just when you need to reach the peak is when you reach the peak and not before. Um, and I think that's why it can transcend so many genres. Yeah. And, um, just to take, thank you. Thank you. That's really nice. I, I definitely try to, sorry, there's an ambulance. Can you hear that one? Oh, I was going to say they found you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how, but they found me. I'm going to have to go away for a while, honey. (laughs) Remember me Though I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you The only way that I can be Until you're in my arms Now for a brief intermission. We return now to the soundtrack show. It is true. You do have a way of, of kind of doing this melodic painting with words. You know, um, you know, if you, if you do like a minor 
modal borrowing or something, you know, it usually happens when there's sort of a, a darker thought, like in, in Remember Me, you know, though time may have passed. I forget the, I forget the, the words, of course, right when I'm talking to you guys. But it gets, that's kind of, <laughs> no that's kind of when it'll dip into sort of a, maybe more of a minor chord and then it'll kind of rise and fall. What comes first? Are you, are you, are you basically altering the melody to lyrics that you've generated or, or vice well, versa? So, so with Remember Me, we went to Pixar. We were so just thrilled to be there. And um, Lee Unkrich, who is the director of Coco, uh, pitched the story to us, which in, had already involved the song, um, and said, okay, so when we first hear the song, um, it's this mariachi fun numbers, him saying goodbye, goodnight to the ladies. And, um, and we hear the song and we know that it's a big hit and it's been a big hit in Mexico. And then um, the story develops and the boy goes to the land of the dead and he meets this guy who he realizes as time goes on that it, he, this guy is um, the, the true author of this song. And that not only that, but it's his great, great grandfather. And uh, the song has been misinterpreted by, by the first musician and um, that it's not this love song. It's really a song that was a lullaby for his daughter, who was our hero's great-grandmother. And, um, <clears throat> and so just that pitch, and then him, he comes back from the land of the dead and sings it to the great-grandmother, and that saves the day. And that pitch, I didn't do it very well just now, but that pitch had us in tears and and we thought oh my god that's that is a that is a device like no other i've ever heard of a song in a movie the song being the actual macguffin of of this movie and wow. so it's it's in disguise when you first hear it um and we were just you know it, it's such an emotional idea and it just seemed so perfect so what we had this title of remember me they had that too um and and so we just let that brew for a while we you know did a lot of research on mexico and mexican music and the day of the dead and and one day i sat down at the piano and started noodling and played this and played this tune for Kristen. and she said let me get that on tape um and she she had a meeting in town that day and she wrote this lyric just kind of came out perfectly in, in one train trip from Brooklyn to Manhattan and came back. We, we put them together and we realized that not only did it work for the lullaby, which was the, we decided to treat as the, the main prime, like original version of it, but it worked for the mariachi as well. So we wanted to make sure that it, it worked in both ways. And we, we submitted two demos at once, the mariachi and the lullaby. So I will say, this is another song that's a great example of taking something personal and throwing it into the song, which is, um, as I mentioned earlier in our interview, one of the hardest things about our collaboration is when we have to travel to L.A. Mm -hmm. um, it means that we have to leave our girls who are school age um, here in New York. And we have all kinds of rules. We try never to go more than three nights because after that, our kids will come back and they'll be in war with us that'll last like two weeks um because because it's just not good to leave them for so long um and i feel guilty about it every time we go and it's not like i'm leaving a spouse behind and traveling it's we are a single parent right. and we are working together yep. um 
And we luckily have amazing babysitters, including I have two sisters who come. Um, but I really threw all that parental guilt in, uh, of a songwriter who has to travel for work into this, this lullaby, um, basically thinking of it as a lullaby I would sing to our own daughters when we, the night before we have to leave for L.A. for three days. Wow. So it applied to us as parents and as songwriters. We couldn't believe <laughs> there was, was going to be a movie that whose plot hinged on, well, who was the actual writer of this song? Who wrote and, the actual lyric? <laughs> and wow. did they write it for their child? Uh, <laughs> it was like, it couldn't have been more perfect. That, I have to confess, that makes me kind of emotional because I, I'm going through something similar traveling through work and I have very similar emotions and it just adds a whole nother layer to that song for me. So that's, thank you for sharing yeah. that. That actually, that's an incredible story and, and, um, it just goes to show again, and it's something I talk about a lot, you know, not just on the last podcast, but on the soundtrack show, which is that, you know, this kind of art comes from people with real lives and real stories and real challenges. And I feel like the story of, of um, sorry to wax philosophical here in the middle of the interview, but the story behind what's going on in your lives is just as much a part of that creation as the creation itself. I just think it's so interesting. And thanks for sharing that. That's really great. Oh. You're welcome. Bobby um, always talks about because there, anytime that I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous sometimes of these writers who don't have kids who can take five projects and go all over the world. And that's when Bobby likes to remind me that my writing, my career took off, but I think it's because my writing got so much better once I was a mother. Um, mm. And time, time writing was time away from my children. So I better make that time count. Um, and I also think becoming a mother, um, gave me this lens of, I am in charge of, of raising two human beings to be the best humans they can be. So it gave me this lens through which I look at the world, which is every character is struggling to be a good human being. Every character is struggling in their life and making choices and, um, I look at it almost like I'm the mother of each one of these characters. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think becoming a parent made me the writer that I am. Well, um, and it sounds like sure. it sounds like Frozen and Coco are are both um, huge uh, parts of your of your parenting legacy. I mean, you're you're put, you're fueling <laughs> your. You're, I'm serious. I mean, you're fueling that those experiences into your into your art, both with Anna and Elsa's relationship. And of course, um, being away from your daughter's writing, remember me, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a, a pretty clear connection there. Yeah. Luckily when our kids have a question or a problem at school, we can just refer them back to the movies. See Frozen, <laughs> scene seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. Oh, you have math. <laughs> you need help with your math homework. Just here, here's a Blu-ray and, and yeah, no, yeah. If only it were that simple. Well, I wanted yeah. to ask you, um, you you obviously are, as songwriters work with so many other talented musicians. Um, you've obviously worked with uh, Michael Cicchino and Coco and Christoph Beck yeah. and Frozen, uh, the musical arrangers on Frozen Broadway. What are those experiences like when you hear your music sort of taken over by an arranger or when your melodic material is written into a film score? Yeah. Um, our oh, Bobby's going to have fun with this one because, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, me too. But I think Bobby, when Bobby gets uh, going on the, the ecstasy of his collaboration 
with with both Chiquino and and Dave Metzger especially ah. and Stephen Oremus. Um, oh yeah, well we're we're lucky. We work. We always seem to get to work with the best, and mm-hmm. we benefit from that. And um, and we always have just the, the best time working with with not only you know arrangers and com- and other composers, but but the musicians we get to work with, the players and the, the performers and singers. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, our closest relationship in Hollywood musically is definitely with this guy Dave Metzger, who is a um, an orchestrator and a film composer on his own. But I think he he tends to work with other film composers as an orchestrator and as a as a sort of co-composer. Um, he's a he's a fantastic fantastic uh, guy to get to work with, and um, what he does to our songs. Uh, really enlivens them and and just brings them brings them to this powerful life in a way that that I could never do because I just don't have that necessarily that that knack for orchestration um, you know as a Broadway artist you the tend awareness to, of, of like where is the sweet spot for the bassoon yeah um, you don't you, that's a whole other art form and as a songwriter you kind of cover the basics on the piano and then sometimes you fill in a demo with guitar or even some light strings or um, whatever you have, but you don't spend your time worrying about the details of horn versus trombone or glockenspiel versus celesta. Um, and, uh, and it's amazing, to, but I, you know, I'm super, obviously I'm really um, intrigued by that world uh, and love to get a peek into it. And so every time, every time someone orchestrates our, our work, I sort of fall in love with it all over again. And, just love dissecting the process and also getting to influence it by saying, um, here's where we were going for this, this bar. Um, maybe there's a different choice we can make and kind of getting my hands dirty that way too. And I will say and with both Frozen and Coco, we were so grateful to have collaborators on the score side um, that weren't afraid to incorporate and collaborate with us um, so that it, the score led into the songs in a, in a great way and stole and also inspired yeah. um, choices that we made. I feel like this, in a musical movie, you really do want the score to feel part, uh, uh, to feel unified yeah. with the songs that are are coming out of them. Yeah, like when we did uh, Winnie the Pooh, which was our very first film. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to say something negative? No, no. Okay, good. <laughs> When we did Winnie the Pooh, we, we um, didn't ever really get to meet uh, the film composer, Henry Jackman, and he decided he didn't want to use our themes, and I think it worked just fine, um, and, and it was, it, it kind of was what it was, and it worked, it worked great. It didn't really need, our theme, our themes didn't need to become themes in the soundtrack, because it really wasn't a musical. The mm-hmm. themes that needed to get worked in were, were the Sherman Brothers themes. Right, that's true. Um, and, but in Frozen, we had uh, Christoph Beck, and he really of his own accord, and it doesn't, doesn't really benefit him, um, except it does, I think it does benefit a, a musical movie. Uh, he, he made it his business to take the themes and integrate them into the score. One of my favorite cues in Frozen, it happens right after Do You Want to Build a Snowman, um, and it's, uh, it's sort of like three years later in Arendelle, and he takes the, 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 the music from Frozen Heart and transposes it into a major setting with some really interesting, interesting borrowed notes. Mm. 
Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. in, and it's in a major it's key. It's in a major key. It's, it's this beautiful, um, and it sounds like ships coming in, pulling in, and uh, it's it's an awesome it's an awesome cue. And when I heard it, I was like, yeah, we got in there. It's got it's <laughs> like some sort of Nordic sea shanty kind of like totally. melody. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And you know, from people watching in the audience, there's not a distinction made there. You know, it's all just presented right. to them as one flowing piece of music. Born of cold and winter, air and mountain rain combining. This icy force, both foul and fair, has a frozen harbor Watch your step, please. The gates will be opening soon. Why do I have to wear this? Because the queen has come of age. It's coronation day. That's not my fault. The Soundtrack Show will continue in a moment. And now, back to The Soundtrack Show. But I was just curious, you know, speaking of being in the audience, if... if you had musicals, movie or Broadway uh, or, or otherwise, musical influences that you remember so well from when you were younger that made you decide to get into this crazy business. Was there that moment where you remember seeing something? I mean, obviously, you know, Bobby, you know, I've talked about Star Wars, but, yeah. you know, uh, was it Sondheim? Was it uh, The Wizard of Oz or old MGM musicals? Was it something else? Anything come to mind? I think with both of us because the musical bug hit us both so early um i just i would have to say there are probably 25 to 40 cast albums Mm -hmm. that i just fed myself a diet of for my entire childhood you know everything from oklahoma to guys and dolls to chicago to annie to peter pan um the Peter and the Wolf was sort of a, a classical and, and the Nutcracker and um, that kind of that kind of show very early. And then I was obsessed with Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh-huh. um, obsessed. And and I think Tim Rice's lyrics on, on Evita, um, a lot of the things I was very obsessed with had Tim Rice as a lyricist. That's another one. And then... Lynn Aarons and Stephen Flaherty. Lynn Aarons was one of the first female lyricists. And I went, women do this. (laughs) Um, uh, And, and, and now we continue to, we listen to the Broadway XM channel all the time to just keep that steady diet of people using music to tell stories. Yeah. For me, I guess, I mean, Star Wars was probably, I think Star Wars was the first movie I ever saw. Um, And I had this, I had the record that had not only the soundtrack, but the dialogue too. So I would just listen to the story over and over again with the, with the music. Um, I had the, the, I had, it was records. We didn't have a VCR. So I had the Jungle Book record. I had the, uh, the Hobbit. Um, these were like my very earliest things. We both had the same Sesame Street album that we were both obsessed with. with. Ernie and Bert. And um, Free to Be You and Me. Free to Be You and, and Me. And Really Rosie also. Yep. Seminal, seminal, um, works to me and Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory oh, yeah. imagination that, kind of, that was a great one and um and I guess in the end uh what really did it was being in West Side Story in fifth grade 
just being just and it was Sondheim for me. It was like that was the thing that then pushed me off. Like this could be these these things aren't just for kids. These are these are um, these are grown up, sophisticated um, expressions of of drama that that um, you can really bring with you into adulthood. And um, you know that that's what did it. I also um, would lie if I didn't tell you that '80s commercials didn't play a huge part in my musical language. I like I dare you to name a product in the 80s that had a jingle uh, that I don't know. Somehow the 80s jingles really infected my soul. Um, That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. It's like they, they just all had the most catchy, catchy theme songs. Even the I army. Don't Oh, yeah. kid. I mean, they're all really good. I mean, yeah. even the army have a jingle. That's right. That's right. Be all that you can be. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and your best rock tenor. That's great. <laughs> and it's funny. Um, I think a lot of the musical theater writers were writing some of those jingles, and Barry Manilow was writing those jingles. Lynn Aarons wrote. Um, what would you do? do for a oh, okay. Another one we know uh, wrote by Menon. <laughs> right. Um, Saros, yeah. <laughs> we, I, I might have gotten into that business if it hadn't collapsed as soon as I graduated college. Right. I thought about it. Right. I wanted to. I, I would have loved to make some money doing that. Me too. I did audition place. for a job with My Little Star Baby. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> my Little Star Baby. Where you could buy a doll that would also register a star. Um, and I think someone took that idea, but they did not use my my jingle. Well, this actually relates to my to my last question for you, which is, you know, you've both accomplished so much already, but are there mediums or projects um, that are like dream projects for you that you haven't done yet that you really want to? Maybe jingle writing is one of them. You still want to crack that nut? <laughs> yeah, uh, we'd like big to business. make a product and write that jingle just so we can write a jingle. Just so you can write the jingle. <laughs> But are there projects that you think you think? Oh man, I really want to write something for you know. Uh, oh gosh, I don't know anything. I don't know. Um, we're we're having those conversations right now, yeah. um, and I'm afraid to like. Just yesterday, I had an idea that I was really excited about, but I'm afraid to say on your podcast because I don't want anyone <laughs> else to to do it. But one one thing that we've noticed is that you know the world is changing right now, and. Um, Every, what we seem to be watching are, are always in this form of like eight episodes, an hour long each, and we binge watch them all at once. Um, and it seems like, you know, someone should do a musical of one of those. And, and at some point, we'd love we to have, do one. We have one of those that we're talking about with someone. We, are, we do, yes. Um, but um, so that seems really fun. I think, I think Bobby and I also have a director's bug. Well, Kristen um, for sure. Kristen could 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 have directed, you know, anything. She really she she's such a good communicator and works well so well with actors and has a really good top down vision of the whole thing that uh, that evades me very often. I'm always like, what are we doing again? What's the point of this? Um, and uh, the thing that I kind of harbor if we if we were to ever not do the same project again is I, I'd like to write a film score with yeah him. Bobby wants to write a film score oh, and that would he be really amazing. should he's I've, he's I don't know if I could I don't know if I could and I'm not sure if I should but I'd like to try he's, he scores a lot of the um, the boards sometimes for screenings 
Um, and he's, I think you're, I think you could. Absolutely. And, and, you know, all, all the great, uh, you know, or so, I should say so many of the most memorable film scores, the, those composers were armed with orchestrators and uh, yeah. had their own assembly line of, of really talented people, especially because uh, just like, you know, the, the time pressure that you had writing the, the Broadway version, there are extreme time pressures in film scoring. So I would Wait, sign worse, me right? up. Yeah, I would <laughs> sign, sign me up to hear a, a Robert Lopez uh, pen film oh. score. And I would love yeah. to I'd love to hear that. Yeah, yeah th again, that's how um, family dictates those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's easy to dream it. But then when you say, oh, go to L.A. and write a score for three months um, with two children, yeah, it's a, a whole different thing. So there'll be a whole new chapter when our kids are, are yes. out of the house and in college before they move back into our house. <laughs> <laughs> and between yeah, now and then, between now and then, it sounds like you have plenty to keep you occupied. Um, and, and well, I just wanted to say again, thank you so much for doing this interview and congratulations on all your success and your awards. And, uh, and I just can't wait to hear what you do next. Oh, thank you so it. much. Thanks for your good questions. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for saving Frozen Broadway with your podcast. <laughs> yes, and thank you for the new podcast. I love it.